Welcome to DevOps Accents, a podcast on everything around DevOps, public cloud, and cloud-native topics, with your hosts, Pablo, Leo, and Kirill. Hello, and welcome to another episode of DevOps Accent, a podcast where we, the co-founders of MKDev, get together to discuss all things around DevOps, cloud-native technologies, and what happens at MKDev. Uh, today we are in our usual crew, all together, Pablo, Kirill, and me, Leo. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. Hello. We are good. This is the number 21, no? It is. 20, 21st, yeah. Well, man. We are very mature. We can now drink alcohol on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's celebrate. We can do that, no problem. <laughs> The, uh, I'd like to remind those of you who listens to us on Spotify and YouTube, uh, if this is not the first episode you have listened to, consider subscribing. And of course, uh, don't forget to like. Uh, it helps us a lot. Uh, we have a, a number of announcements uh, that's happened uh, lately uh, with us. We released uh, a new webinar uh, uh, on Google Cloud Platform, similar to what we had with AWS, a regular webinar from Kirill that uh, runs uh, every so often. You can go and subscribe and join the webinar. And now we released a new one. Uh, you've been requesting this for, um, for a long time, uh, a webinar on Google Cloud Platform. But today, uh, this time, Pablo made it. Uh, and it's already released. You can go and join the webinar and subscribe to the nearest date when it will be held. Uh, and Pablo will talk to you about Google Cloud Platform. So, Pablo, uh, can you give us uh, a little bit, um, just a, a small introduction to what uh, we can expect from that and what we will learn from that webinar? So the, the idea is, uh, if I remember, more or less, okay, it's between 35 to 40 minutes webinar. So it's not, uh, so it's something that you can be there perfectly. You know, it's something that is not going to be a long webinar. So, and the idea is, is simple. You know, when you're in Google Cloud, one of the main components, so one of the components that the people is using most is Cloud Run. Cloud Run is a, a tool that is able to launch containers. So, you can say like, okay, like Kubernetes, yes, but it's super simple because even the, there is a characteristic that the idea is that normally they spin up containers that are connected to a web server. So then you directly, automatically, as soon as you create a cloud rank, it's created to you all the networks and all the endpoints and directly you can go to a URL in Google Cloud and you can go directly to the web that this container is opening. So this is pretty cool. So, but the idea is next. When you create a, a cloud run, that you need to understand the cloud run is always, uh, let's say, internal in a in a network that Google Cloud create. So when you want to connect this cloud run container with a cloud SQL with a database that you have in in Google Cloud, you have two ways. The let's say the simple one when you click 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 and click and you create a cloud uh, SQL database, you create a, a a cloud database with a public IP. Mm -hmm. So and in this case is it's simple because then what you do is you go from your cloud run, you make a connection to this database with this public IP. But okay, 
really, you don't leave Google Cloud because all these public IPs that are in Google Cloud are really inside in the Google Cloud network. It's not that you leave Google and then you go back inside. It's, but it's, it's simple because it's really a public IP. But what happens is you want to make a Cloud SQL database that in this case is not going to use a, a public IP and it's going to use a, a private IP. So in this case, it's when you complex uh, and you start to add a number, a number of components because uh, really you need to make an, a component in the middle that is a VPC and you need to connect two components that are working in internal Google Cloud networks. So the Cloud Run is working with an internal Google Cloud network that needs to talk with a VPC in the middle to talk with another component in another, in another Google Cloud network that is this Cloud SQL database. And the idea is to show how we can do in the both cases if you want to use a, a Cloud SQL with a public or a private uh, IP. And, and it's super interesting, is I think. So I love this. The, the guy who is doing that is me. So I love this guy. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's even cool because, you know, it's, let's say, 5% of theory and 95% of, of practice. And it's super interesting how to how is that working. So it's not like uh, your uh, Google Platform uh, workshop that uh, we have on the website. Uh, the, the the workshop is more oriented to the basics and to the and for those who are just wants to get into uh, Google Cloud. Uh, but this webinar is or, um, oriented more towards people who are already familiar with with the platform and. Uh, and it's more specific. Is that correct? Yes, you need you need to understand first what is Google Cloud. You need to know something about uh, Google networks and what is Cloud Run, what is Cloud SQL, mm-hmm. because we're going to talk about many components like the VPC peering. We're going to talk components like uh, like you know uh, the, the interconnection between elements and all these things. So it's not something if this is the first day that you work with Google. Cloud and I want to see how it's working GCP. It's it's a complex, not a complex. Oh, I cannot do that unless you know I'm an expert. No, no, no. It's a normal situation because I have a cloud run that want to talk with a database, mm-hmm. and there are two ways. If you use a public uh, cloud SQL, it's simple, but it's not secure. Plus, if I do using a, a private cloud SQL, it's complex, but okay, it's it's secure. Mm-hmm. We have a video in our YouTube channel. You know about uh, about that topic too. That you know we can. You know if the if the, if the people wants to go to to watch the webinar, then they can go to watch the video too in in, in Google Cloud because it's something like a it's like like a complement. You know. Let, let me let me check because I, uh, while we're talking, I'm going to find the the name of the of the video in YouTube because I think it's super interesting to to do the two things. You know, to watch the 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 webinar plus to use the yeah. To go to YouTube and watch this video as an additional information, like uh, the additional YouTube. Uh, while Pablo uh, is um, uh, looking for the video, <coughs> I just want to remind that this webinar is completely free for anyone. Uh, you don't need to pay anything. Uh, you just have to uh, go to the uh, website. Uh, the link is in the description. Uh, just go there, click on register and select the, the date where you would like to per, you know, partake on the webinar. And, and the, at, at the assigned date and time, you just join in and uh, listen to whatever Pablo will talk to you. And yeah, it's completely free. So uh, join and 
share it with whoever you think needs that. Uh, the webinar, I remind you, is Google Cloud Run and Databases. And it's practice-oriented um, explanation on how to inter interconnect Cloud Run with uh, databases in Google Cloud. Uh, go on, Pablo. Uh, the name of the video, and thank you again, Kirill, because you found it super fast, as always, is how to connect Cloud Run and Cloud SQL internally. And even there is an article in, in NCADEF webpage mm -hmm. about the same, the same you know, uh, thing. And you can, you can follow the video, you can follow the... Because in this video is the real example how we migrate uh, the same scenario in one of the tools that we have in NCADEF, that is uh, Climora. We jump from a database with a public IP to a database with a private IP. So it's a real example. So you can, if you're interested in the subject, you have the webinar, you have the article in the in the web, and you have the video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And you have I us. Have, Sorry, Kirill, what do you want to say? I have a technical question for you, because so for the listeners, yeah, of course, we have kind of a, a split in the company because I focus on AWS, so I don't work much with the Google Cloud. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, in AWS, alternative to Cloud Run is Lambda. But Lambda is a bit different because Lambda doesn't have this kind of a, you know, like the DNS endpoint and this persistent container, more or less, because in Cloud Run, it's kind of a mix between like event based and uh, like a permanently running service. And what Amazon did for Lambda, because you can also like connect Lambda function to the Postgres database to RDS, but they had an issue because the way Lambda works, if you, if you have suddenly like 10,000 events or requests, then it will scale really fast. And depends on how long each Lambda takes, it will create lots of uh, micro events in parallel. So imagine like if every Lambda takes like 10 seconds, and then you have like 10,000 requests suddenly out of nothing, it will it might create 10,000 VMs in parallel trying to connect to your database. Yeah. Then it's an issue for, for RDS or Aurora or for any Postgres database on ReadyV because there is a connection pool. So if you have only like maximum 50 connections, and then you have 10,000 micro VMs trying to open the connection to it, then you have an issue. And what AWS did, and I'm curious if Google also provides something like this, is they added a new service called, uh, it's not it's like three years old at least, RDS proxy, which is basically another component that sits between your applications and, and the database that only takes care of handling connections. It kind of guards your database from too many open connections and handle them on the separate proxy level. And that costs a lot. And I'm curious if Google Cloud has anything similar for Cloud SQL or does it handle it just better on Cloud SQL directly? For Cloud SQL, I have to check that because I don't know in the top of my head. But okay, for Cloud Run, uh, what they have is the limit of the maximum concurrency calls that you can have. If I remember, it's 80 by default, but you can move until 1,000. So, and at the end in this case, if the source is Cloud Run, the only one, because it's a private database, the only one who can talk with the database. You know, if you limit uh, the connection in Cloud Run, at the end you are limiting, you are doing the limit of the connection that you're going to have in, in the database. So you, you can do that. You can limit the, the amount of number of, okay, the, the, the amount of concurrent connection that you can have in, in Cloud Run that they think at the end for this scenario, you go to the private way, not to the public, because in the public, of course, that everyone can attack the database. If you go to to the private, I think this more than enough. I'm actually not curious because in in AWS is the same. You can set like max executions or reserve concurrency for the lambda, and it's going to be throttled. Mm. But somehow they also added RDS proxy to I don't know further improve the situation. Yeah, but okay. In in the in cloud SQL, I had to check that you know. But uh, but even imagine that you you have a limit. I don't know the maximum request per container that you have. Uh, I don't know. 
100, 1,000. But at the end, you have a, a limit that is in the database that is lower. At the end, you're going to have a problem because you're allowed people to, let's say, attack the, the web. But then these people does not, you know, has, they cannot do a thing because the database is, is blocked because of a limit. So I think that in this, in this scenario with Cloud Run, it's better if you put the limit in the, in the cloud, in the Cloud Run, and not in the database. But okay, it's something that, you know, I, I will check for the next, the next podcast to, to answer that. Uh, it's always curious how cloud providers handle the serverless runtimes like Cloud Run and then more traditional databases. So like instead of Firebase and AmoDB, when people use just Postgres, and then you have these two worlds clashing with each other sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have this uh, kind of technological division uh, inside the company where uh, Kirill is uh, more more uh, AWS guy, while Pablo is GCP guy. But I, I wanted to... I, I don't think why I never asked about this before, but is there any uh, competition between these two, like Amazon plus Lambda versus uh, GCP plus Cloud Run and some kind of uh, fan groups around it, which one is better, kind of like of uh, kind of like uh, Apple versus Android or Xbox versus PlayStation, which one is better? And one group defends their uh, solution versus other. <laughs> is there something something like this going on between you two? I, I'm going to give my opinion. I don't think that there is one better than other. So, but it's a personal opinion. So, I, I don't think that. Google is better than AWS, so AWS is better than Azure, or Azure better than Google. I don't think that any, you know, because we need to think that they are not selling one product, they are selling hundreds of products. So, and could be the case that one specific product, because of the characteristics that all the parameters of the option that is given to you, is better for your project. Or it's cheaper, or it's faster, or it's consuming less and less resources. So, you know, then I cannot tell you that something is better than other. I can tell you that it depends on every, every case. Now, the problem with okay, it but is... Do you think, uh, but, but do you think Apple is better than Android, for example? Like, uh, th this is the thing, okay? Uh, because you can you can tell the same uh, about uh, those uh, those two. Like, none of them is better than another. Uh, everyone has its... Uh, pros and cons, <laughs> but 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 you still have these fan groups that uh, <laughs> fanatically and uh, <laughs> defend. So I have an iPhone, but if you check these Samsungs or these new mobiles, you know I don't think that in okay maybe it, we need to compare two things: it's software and hardware. And in this case, there's a company that is Apple that is doing the both teams, software and hardware, and then we have another company that they made software. And there is another company that is doing the hardware or another open source. Maybe Samsung is the only one that is more or less doing hardware and software. But okay, Android is not Samsung thing. is is a is an an open project, you know, from from Google. But okay, so I I don't know because I don't think that today it, it, because now a mobile is used for anything else that to be a mobile because a mobile is was used before to have calls. And nobody is using the telephone to call anyone. Mm -hmm. So even now in the in the Spanish TV, because there is a super because there is a, a telephone company that one of the things that they are promoting is that all the calls are free, like always, no? And they are telling in the in the advertisement that you need to call more people because all the calls are free. 
because I think that the idea is if you make more calls, you spend less data mm-hmm. because you don't use WhatsApp or things like that to make calls and then it's better for them. But nobody is using the telephone to make calls. Nobody is using the telephone for SMS. So everyone is using the telephone for the cameras. So and I have to tell you that I have to mention that there are many other better cameras than the one that you have in an iPhone. The people is using a, a telephone uh, to use apps. I don't think that there is an app that you cannot use in one or another in better way in worse way. I think that uh, so at the end. Mm-hmm. And the but other thing is security. You, and uh, I don't know. Sorry. I'm sorry, uh, I just wanted to ask, like, uh, can you, Pablo, or, or you, Kirill, just from the top of your head, uh, just one example what uh, Amazon or Google Cloud does better than uh, the, the, their competitor? Yeah, easily many things. Actually, CloudRun is one of the good examples where Amazon is still struggling to provide a com- competitive product, even though, like, AWS Lambda is... I think like it's maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's like a million times more popular and widely used than CloudRun. But nothing beats the simplicity of CloudRun because if you look at what it takes to just create serverless web application on AWS and on Google, it's just way simpler to do it on Google. Because on AWS, yes, you have Lambda functions, but they don't give you any load balancers. You have to provision some kind of API gateway load balancer in front, connect with the DNS, and it's maybe like in total 10, 12 AWS services to duct tape together. And with CloudRun, it's just CloudRun. So it's it's serverless. It works like similar, like event-based when event is HTTP request. But then it binds together the DNS and all these bits and pieces in a simple manifest. And it's just way nicer and easier. And AWS just keeps trying to do something similar. Now they released AppRunner. Uh, but AppRunner is, again, like one more service that was released like two years ago, and they're still trying to improve it. On the other side, uh, what AWS definitely does better is the uh, how they deprecate services because in all this history of I think like 15 years now of AWS they deprecated like two services and even those you can still kind of use via the internal APIs and if you take Google is the <laughs> most recent example is the Google domains because Google domains was this place to get to buy domains for you and then configure the DNS records and it was in beta version for I don't know like four or five years then it was out of beta one year ago, mm-hmm. and then suddenly one like two months ago, they like oh we sold the whole service to Squarespace. We deprecate Google domains, and even when the migration link in the migration document, there is an affiliate link to Squarespace, which is strange because it's like Google will make affiliate marketing money by referring people to Squarespace. So Google is infamous for deprecating stuff, right? But at the same time, I think Google Cloud is just much simpler. They have maybe like. I know at this point 50 services and AWS has 500 services because AWS tries to, uh, I think AWS understands better what enterprise customers need, to be honest. So if, if you're a bank, it's easier for you to uh, migrate your workloads to AWS because AWS always does like uh, like NFS, uh, network file system, but in the cloud. Or they have all these complex networking solutions that easily map to what you are used to on-prem. And Google is more like, uh, there was an article about Google Antos, which is a very cool way to connect multiple clusters and run them everywhere. And the guy, like the, the like uh, I don't know how to call him, like analytics guy who was like making analysis of the market, he was telling that Google built a super cool complex product that none of their customers can even understand because their customers need to move to containers and they're like, oh, we have this incredibly <laughs> cool multi-cluster Antos thing. 
But this this case uh, so with Google, Anthos, sorry, killing to interrupt, is super famous because the guy who made that Anthos is one of the biggest engineers in the company. And and the problem is that, you know, he tried to make 2,000 of themes and nobody wants to use that 2,000 of themes. It's like, for example, when they <laughs> injected service mesh inside Anthos. Do you know it? I don't want to have Anthos to have service mesh. All the most fancy and complex tools, uh, but then you have big customers who have... I don't know, like uh, VMs managed by Puppet and Chef. And then, okay, how, how do we jump from virtual machines to Anthos? There was like 100 steps are just missing there. <laughs> and then it was just like, yeah, we have this separate service just to simplify migration of VMs from on-premise to it. Like they have, you can run VMware on AWS. So you can just lift and ship the whole VMware infrastructure to AWS Cloud. So they think a bit more about actual use cases of bigger customers. And Google thinks a bit more about uh, technology, of like fancy technology. There is was uh, another most recent example uh, when uh, Pablo was busy migrating uh, one of services Claymora from his own Google account to uh, our MKDS account in GCP, and it took the, him uh, like what like. Uh, uh, a few a few comments and then Kirill, you said something like, yeah. I don't remember exactly that as a similar similar thing in Amazon would take months. This is crazy good thing about Google Cloud is that the whole, that how they structure projects and give permissions to people. Because with AWS, every AWS organization and account is like a new thing in terms of authentication and authorization. And okay, Google. Uh, but, okay, but before you dive deeper, what was this about? Like, this is a migrating existing project between different accounts inside Google that's not connected to each other whatsoever. Is is like you are giving your project, your own project, to me uh, as a completely different person, and is this is this it, or it's something a little bit different? Yeah, it's, it's, it's this whole thing with projects and accounts. So basically in Google, it's a bit better interconnected because imagine we have like a customer on Google Cloud and they want to give us permissions. They can actually give access to our Google Workspace accounts inside their project, similar how they would grant us access to a document in Google Docs. Yeah. In AWS, there is nothing like this. There is no shared AWS identity that you can grant. If they if a new customer for us uses AWS and they want to give us access, they need to create for us new user accounts. And then Pablo or I, our experts, they need to create new user name and password just for this customer, mm -hmm. which is way less convenient than what Google has when they just say, okay, Kirill at mkdev.me has read access to this account. And that's it. There is no need for any extra uh, permission setup. And same with projects. Like that you can just move stuff from one project to another, like it's a file from one folder to another. On AWS, it's not possible to do it like this. Uh, you cannot easily reassign things from one, one AWS account to another. Migrations like this would normally take, like you need to set up the whole network from scratch in the new account, and then you need to migrate all the workloads, handle the DNS records, data migrations, all of this. And then, as I said, it might take for smaller thing like Claymore maybe a couple of days or weeks. Mm -hmm. For a bigger customer, we had cases where there was like a big migration of many, many things, like lots of clusters and databases from one account to another. And it's like three to four months project because you have to do it with zero downtime and handle uh, all the big data migrations or migrations of big amounts of data without 
like interrupting the service. But only, only to consider that, okay, if we think that this, uh, I'm talking about Google, okay, if we think that this is only about the migration of one project, imagine from NKDF account to imagine Fodoja account, so two different entities, there is a command that today is in beta, okay, but we need to think too that not everything is independent. So there are many components that are integrated one with another. And if, for example, if I have a VPC peer in between two, because I can create a VPC in one project and then this, this VPC can be used for another project. In this case, I have a problem because if I have an element that is uh, served by many other elements, as soon as I meet the migration of this project that is using an element that is not connected to the other place, it's going to fail. So it's only to understand that. So if we are talking about individual entities, like a project that is not using anything for any other project, it's going to work. But as soon as you have something in common, it's going to fail and you need to prepare in advance. So or in mind that you're working in a different organization and this organization is going to apply permission, AIM permissions. As soon as you move the project, all those permissions are going to be applied to the new to the new accounts or service accounts. So all these themes need to consider, but it's true that it's only one command, but it's true that it's in beta. Mm -hmm. And when you move a prod project in, with a beta command, when a staging was not working for something different, so it's, it's easy, it's five minutes or three minutes, but you know, it's, it's still scary. You know? But it still works, it still works greatly. See, I told you there is always someone that digs bit bag bigger. <laughs> so it's always true, <laughs> worth measuring. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you for this uh, uh, measurement session. <laughs> uh, I, I we will expect uh, a video from you, Pablo, on that feature. Like, okay, a cool new feature on GCP uh, that Amazon will never have, and ignite. Uh, a war, a hate debate between the fans. Always is welcomed. Uh, and uh, there's another opportunity for me to remind you that the best way not to meet anything, including this new upcoming video from Pablo or uh, a new article, is to be subscribed to our bi-weekly MKDev Dispatch newsletter. Um, that's where we gather the most interesting content we produce and share what's interesting and new that we learned, as well as what's happening for uh, to us, like uh, our recent trip to London uh, for the DevOps Days conference we sponsored. Do you think your project infrastructure is well set and maintained? We know for sure there is always room for improvement. If you are uncertain where to begin, let's first do an audit of what you already have. We will review your setup from every angle, performance, cost, security, high availability, and automation, and provide you with a detailed roadmap of which direction your infrastructure should go, generate concrete tasks for you to implement, or even take on your infra entirely, if you let us, of course. How did you like it in London, guys? Did you see the king? Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to say I didn't see the queen, no, the king. So no, we didn't see the king. But, okay. but did you did you practice your British accent? I <laughs> did not. You know, I only tried to to practice my Spanish accent, like always. I have to say something in favor of London. It's a city that you can go two thousand times, and every time that you go, surprise you. It's it's a city that you when you go, you always make wow. So because it's. 
life is John, you know, full of restaurants, full of places, full of stores. Super expensive these days with this uh, problem with the inflection, with this problem with the Brexit, with this every kind of problem that they have, like in many other countries. But really, it's one of these places that you are always, I, I always know, is, is in love. Something like, wow, 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 how cool is that? Mm -hmm. Kirill, do you have the same? Do you share this experience? No, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's one of those cities where like, you feel like you're in the center of the world. Like similar to Tokyo and New York, yeah. you just walk around London and it's just completely different feeling from when you walk in, uh, in Munich or in Berlin or in, in most of the cities in Europe, in any case. I've been like, I, I stayed a bit longer than Pablo just to enjoy the city once more time. And I was working around Soho and I never see this amount of people and this amount of things happening around me at the same time. Yeah. Just completely, yeah, completely different feeling to be there. This comparison to Berlin surprised me because to me, Berlin like is a, is a hive. Uh, so many people, so many different cultures uh, combined, like it's a melting pot. Uh, of uh, everything and if if anywhere you feel like in the center of the world to me this would be a berlin at least in the mainland europe i don't know is there any other mainland europe city that is more more, more alive than berlin but sorry sorry to say that and sorry to interrupt you kill before you say something about germany uh, i think you cannot compare berlin with london or new york or tokyo or a city like that sorry it's different it's like if you compare a village of 20 people here in the island where i live in with uh, with madrid mm. nothing to do with that you know london is is the city and it's called the city for something you know because it's the city and new york even with all this problem that they have currently You go to New York and New York is something like, wow, man, again, so I'm here. Or you go to Tokyo. You're in this cross path, I don't think, what is the name of that? I don't remember. And really, you watch in videos many times, but you want to cross and there are, I don't know how many millions of humans <laughs> crossing at the same time. So then you're in a different planet there, you know. So Berlin, Berlin is... Berlin is different, yes. And, and Berlin is like, it's twice, twice as small as London. Like you need to see the population of London is 9 million and Berlin is like barely 4 million. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in Berlin, you still feel like you're in Germany. Like it's the most un-German place in Germany. Like if you compare <laughs> Berlin and Munich or if it's any other German city, it's a completely different place. But you still feel like you're in Germany in Berlin. <laughs> and then cities like uh, we just mentioned this. For me, what, the Tokyo was one of the greatest examples because when I went to the to the Tokyo Tower, just to, like to see the Tokyo from above, you just never see the city finishing. Like you look to the horizon and it's just the city. There is there is no like a mountain or there is like, there is no, like in Munich you go up and you see like in two kilometers there is a forest, that's it, Munich is finished. Even though it's like <laughs> 1.1 million people. In Tokyo for me it was the greatest experience because it just, it never ends. You just look as far as you can and it's just the city. Yeah. And London is very similar. Like it's smaller, but it's similar feeling. As far as I know, Tokyo like is the largest city on earth. No, not anymore. Like, no? No, no, no. Because, no, 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 no. There is a China city, Hong Kong. I don't remember. Sorry. Even Jakarta is 33 millions of of humans. No, I mean not not people, not in terms of people, but the, uh in terms of uh, ah, okay, square be. kilometers. No how idea. much how many kilometers. No idea. Because takes. this summer I went to Jakarta to the world uh, basketball world champion. And really Jakarta is so I cannot tell you how big it is. That the distance by taxi 
from one place to another. Imagine you want to go to one match and there you want to go to visit something. It, it was always one hour and a half in taxi. It was a real nightmare. So I've never been in a place so big like Jakarta. It's, it's, it's like, I, I mean, I, I live in a, in a village with, I don't know, three horses, 20 chickens, and I don't know, maybe 100 <laughs> humans. You know? And when you go to Jakarta, it's like, what is that? <laughs> so it, 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 it's crazy. I think in Tokyo is the same issue. Like in Munich, it's always like how you count what's Munich. In Tokyo is even worse because if you look at the map, I, I went by train from Tokyo to Yokohama. And when you go by train, there is not like a gap in space that would indicate that another city started. So it's actually like if you just look at the like this metropoly, uh, I would say like Yokohama is basically part of Tokyo because you never leave Tokyo. You just end up in Yokohama by going by train and the city never stops existing around you. Mm. Yeah. So I'm not sure how they count, but I think like the Tokyo itself is 13 something million, but it's not the biggest one. Okay, getting back to London, uh, this year, uh, like this, the conference, uh, DevOps Days, like it was huge this year. Uh, at least that's what's uh, uh, my impression about it, bigger than usual, at least, and bigger than other DevOps Days conferences we attended. Uh, what do you think? Uh, do you share this view, this experience? It was not the biggest one that we attended this year. I felt like it was the biggest amount of space for us there, just of the... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the inside space was bigger. And the number of people we met? Because if you look at uh, see, because Amsterdam was more people, I think. It was like around almost 500 people. Here it was more like three to 400. Mm. But in Amsterdam, they tried to fit this four, 500 people in like in the small room. And in London, they actually booked a big place for this. So there was like a real... We, did, we didn't have to fight with other sponsors for the place <laughs> under the sun. It was like a big, big room. With enough space for everyone. Mm -hmm. that, that was the that, that was pre pretty good. And then there was the the talks were on the top. So the first the main floor was completely just one huge, and not empty space, but like it, it, there was plenty of space basically. That's the point. Then that was good. If you are talking about the good parts, <laughs> <laughs> were you able to uh, attend any interesting talks uh, while there? Uh, one of the central topics that. Uh, I pick up from the um, from the posts and from what people talk are talking about. Like was again uh, energy efficiency and the uh, carbon footprint that <laughs> cloud power leaves behind, uh, and it's even has its own term now, uh, green ops. <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> and in general, I got the impression that the main talks were more about. Uh, near DevOps uh, topics rather than uh, technological uh, technology itself. Uh, do you think it's a trend now? Uh, do you think like the trend shifted from discussing how people did something, how we implement something and what we discovered and what is the best way to do something to how our people feel in our DevOps culture. Do you think it's, this is happening? And what do you think about it? I came to realize so the third DevOps days and I came to realize that DevOps days are just generally not really deep technical conferences. They're really more about culture and related topics, yeah. organization, how you structure teams, how to collaborate. Mm -hmm. And they are not that much about... Like if, it, if you look at the Kubernetes community days that we sponsored in Munich, 
It was just two days of really good, almost hardcore uh, technical topics. It was like a workshop day with entry-level talks about like how to use Kubernetes. And then every actual talk during conference was like how to build a platform on top of Kubernetes with the with backstage and whatever, some YAMLs. And there was this more like, why do you need the platform? <laughs> Without any technical details, just like, oh, why would you do this? So I think just the format of DevOps days, actually, they're not really deeply technical events overall. But it's what Kirill says, it's community days. And, and even, you know, when you go to many, many, many of those, you can discover that there are people from, the, the same people that went to, imagine, to Amsterdam, and the same people that went to, to Lisbon, the, the people is there. So, you know, at the end, you, you met a, a, a big number of people that has been in many, many, many conferences as you. But it's true that those are not uh, technical conferences. Even this this time, I, I didn't go to any conference, Kirill neither. But, you know, you didn't go, no, Kirill, or you went to one? No, I didn't visit any. So, but, you know, for when you, when you check the topics... You know, it's, it's like a lineal topics. It's nothing like a deep, because it is that, you know, it's, it's open source, it's community, it's more than other thing. Mm -hmm. But if not for the technology, what people do in those uh, open space sessions, uh, like there for, for what? For what exactly? I think open, because open space format is random, right? You never know which topics will be discussed there. I have no idea what were the topics actually for this for in London, because again, we didn't go. I went to the to the session about, okay, really, I was looking for the, for the, for the people because we wanted to give away the iPad Pro that at the end, the winner was a, a lady called Alice. But you know, because Alice uh, was not in the, at this moment that we were giving the, the iPad away. So then, uh, at least didn't didn't win the the the, the iPad. Mm -hmm. So and, and then we we need to 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 give the the iPad away, away to other person. But uh, you know, I was there trying to find the 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 people to do that, not to 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 find you know who is the person because at the end the winner if I remember was called Asif. So you know, and then they were preparing the um, the tickets. So the idea is next you go with a sticker. And you write down what you want to talk about. For example, there is a guy who is telling eh, Kubernetes on-prem or Kubernetes on cloud. And then you put the sticker. Depends how many people raise the hand, then decide if they want to talk or not about that. Eh, I don't know. They, they were talking about everything. They were talking about technical themes and not technical. Because, for example, they, they were talking about the, the diversity and the transgenders in, in the DevOps community. They were talking about everything. And then depends on the amount of people who raise the hand then they decide what they want to talk. So there is no way to know what they're going to talk. Is you decide what do you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, a therapy for anonymous uh, <laughs> DevOps <laughs> engineers. <laughs> yes, because at the end, even we need to, to know that when you go to this room and you are in a room with five, six, seven, ten people or 200, depends on you know, how many people love your subject, then when you go to this room, there is no rules. What I mean is not it's not like the, the fight club that you can start to fight with all of them. <laughs> it's like that there is no people from the organization that is going to be to telling to you moderating the, the talk. Mm. Is that you three, ten or two hundred needs to moderate yourself and you need to start to talk about the the topic 
you know, I need to wear a blue teaser or a red teaser. And then all of you, you need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. So it's a stupid example, what I, what I mean, but you know, what I mean is that it is working in this way. I remember that Kirill, okay, for me, it was the first time in Porto and it's, it's cool, but okay, I have to say the truth. I don't like it. So why I'm going to say the truth? I don't like it because there is no, because you can talk about the price of the tuna if you want. So if you make a sticker about, do you think that the tuna is super expensive? And then 30 people raise a hand, you can start to talk about the, the price of the tuna. So yes, it's, <laughs> it's because in the last three months, the tuna is super expensive. So I, I, I think that I am not going to buy any more red tuna. I'm going to buy yellow tuna. So and, and and for me, this is the, the problem because it's something like there is no more people to give a conference and we need to fill a gap and we're going to fill the gap with these spaces because you can spend there five five hours if you want. Mm. So do you, uh, so uh, on your opinion, this is not like the the good thing. This is rather than uh, a la lack of uh, competent speakers who could give an interesting talk on the conference and to fill these gaps they invite everyone to the <laughs> to go and to talk whatever they want i think it's a feature i mean open space is just one of the specific features of devops days and then it depends how lucky you are with who are there and what the topic is because yeah there's almost no moderation just one of the organizers just okay and now who wants to answer to this guy and then some guy answers on the topic of the open space and then okay he said this does anyone have anything to reply? And then, you know, if, if you're lucky, you have like in a room with experienced people on these topics, then you can have some good conversation because you can also maybe talk to them after the open space and do some networking. That could be that you're not like your all the topics and the open space is just not something that you want to talk about. Mm. And, the, and if there is uh, only listeners and you have an awkward silence <laughs> instead of the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> There's also one other point because you need, you need to talk and it's still IT conference so much. Every people feel comfortable just to take microphone and start talking. So what was that what happened on, in Porto, I remember, is that there was like this pauses of like up to 10, 20 seconds till someone decides to speak up and do the next reply. As I know, it could be that people came to open spaces, but no one actually feels comfortable talking. So it's just two guys maybe talking to each other, like a podcast. You feel comfortable talking to us uh, right now. Uh, would you be comfortable uh, talking to uh, in front of the public in this this kind of conference? It's not a complete public. Eh? Okay, so you you have no problem. You have no problem recording webinars, guys. Right? You too. Like you you are okay with sharing videos, talking like one hour long podcast, uh, talking to the public, to the unknown audience about uh, about everything you know, like like a pro, like an expert. But do you think it would be possible for you to do the same on public, like on the same open space um, session? We did this. Pablo did this. So we were in Porto participating. But it's only, for me, it's an issue that I can do this, but in most cases, I don't want to because I want to learn something, but I need to know from whom I'm learning. So if there's like some person that I don't know, maybe uh, I, I need to feel confident that what the person is telling me is kind of legit <laughs> and you cannot verify this in open spaces right it's like oh like i use this tool and this tool is amazing and then but maybe in reality and you just track it okay <laughs> it's like maybe yes <laughs> or or i want to 
like in, in the other direction. I don't want to learn something, I want to educate. But then if I want to educate, I want to do it properly, maybe 30, 40 minutes, and I would rather give a talk than like get microphone for five seconds and then just say two sentences. Because then I am the guy that no one knows. It's like, yeah, maybe he's he knows what he's talking about, maybe not. So for me, the trust is important and who is talking is important. Uh, so this open spaces for me is always like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not how I learn. And for me, it's conference is a learning place. So I'd rather learn from a talk, uh, from listening to a talk uh, than this kind of conversation. Because also we cannot go deep enough on this kind of open space. And, and even, Leo, you need to, to understand that this yourself who decide the topic. It's not that, you know, because maybe you choose the best and uh, most interesting topic, but nobody's interested in that. And they want to talk about the tuna price, you know. So this is another <laughs> point. And, and, and even in this conference, and this is the first time I see in my life, you know, I, I, year by year I'm older and older. So uh, the, the people, okay, now it's in 2023. Now it's this, this time to put the pronouns to people. The people can put the pronoun, but okay, this is not the topic to talk about here now. The, the topic, it was the other kind of stickers. Because when you go to the conference, plus the stickers that you need to choose. Okay, you should not need because I did not do that. You need to put your pronoun if you want to be calling whatever pronoun that you want to be called. Okay, there were, there were only three options, no, no more than three. But okay, there is another... St- How dare they? <laughs> there is another... Limiting my options to three. <laughs> only three options, but okay. So there is another stickers that for me was the, the most... Uh, I say, what? Where you need to put three kind of stickers. When it was uh, maybe... If I remember properly, it was a green triangle. That means that you are a talkative person. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's cool. There is another, and maybe it was a triangle too, but in another color. That means that... No, they were like s- s- three circles of different colors. It was circle, no? Thank you, Kirill. I was waiting for you because I know that you remember all these things. So it was a circle that the, the second option is, uh, I will talk. Something like, I will talk only if I want to talk, also if I decide to talk. You know, it, it's like a man, man in the middle of the talkative way. And the third circle is, I fucking never talk. So I am not going to talk to you ever. <laughs> you know, don't talk to me. So don't look at my eyes. So, and then you, you can have the three. So then my question is, if there is a guy who wants and, and approach you and look at you, and then he has this, don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. What you have to do? Look at him. And that's all. You know, for, for me, I, I, I think that, okay, when, when I was walking to the to the airport in the in these long corridors that you need to, to go in Hydro to take your airplane, there was HSBC, it's a, okay, one of the biggest banks in the world and in, in UK. And there is a, an advertisement that was telling, without labels, we don't know who we are. And I think that this is not okay. It's not. <laughs> and then, then you put a so label. <laughs> I don't need to put a label to, to know if I want to talk to you. Don't I don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me. So I, I, I cannot imagine that for the 20,000 millions of the human and animal history, we never had a, a, a label. I only see labels in bad moments of the history, like when the Nazis, they put a, a label to the Jewish people. So this is the bad moment. So I, I never seen this. So for me, it was a strange this thing that you need to put a label if I want to talk to you. No, no. I think I think you are overcomplicating this because uh, I think this is a, a st- like purely uh, IT uh, area thing because you know uh, there are a lot of people in uh, IT 
uh, who are not really talkative people. Like there are most most of them are more like Kirill than uh, <laughs> than you and me. Like uh, it, it's it's you and and me who can approach a random person and start talking to them and be friends with them. But most of the people from IT who are developers from who who I know. They are prefer to talk to you as as little as possible. <laughs> and so and 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 for them, I think they, they they most of them really felt comfortable putting this label "Don't talk to me" uh, on themselves and and be comfortable that no one will will approach them and start selling uh, whatever thing they uh, they want on the conference and i think that's that's only limited to these technical conferences uh, where a lot of technical people out there and to make it comfortable for them uh, you give them this option to opt out from talking with people I think first of all that's discriminating of IT people because you're telling like IT people are all autistic. <laughs> come, which is, come on, come on, Leo! Like, <laughs> I, I was surprised, Kirill, when I saw I you. you I, I was surprised when you I saw did. you with the Greek one. I said, "Come on, Kirill, you're with the Greek one. Do you want to talk with everyone?" Yeah, but I'm, yeah, but I'm on a conference. I'm there to talk to people. But okay, first of all, like just telling like, oh, IT people are just like don't like talk to other people. Like, come on. <laughs> And, and creative people cannot calculate uh, simple math. <laughs> yeah, we can't. <laughs> I never saw this on any other conference, but I think if you go to conference, you're there to network because you're there not to talk. Then there are recordings of the conference. And it, fe- it feels like in the end, like a bit of a special safe environment that they created there. It's like, um, okay, I was talking a lot about Legos before. It's like the special thing that IT people like Lego. So let's give them Lego. And now there are also labels for IT people for me. I don't know. And for me, especially as a, because we are sponsoring there. So what I was actually like, we discussed with Pablo, that I would like to see an expense report for this particular conference or for any conference we sponsor. Yeah. Because in this particular case, and sorry that I put uh, like the bodily desires above the labels of people, if people want to talk or not, but the food was horrible. That was the worst food <laughs> on any of conferences we've been. And I was like, come on, there was like probably on these stickers if people are chatting on. Okay, it's 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 known fact. Food in uh, United Kingdom. No, but no, not, that, not <laughs> no. at the level that is horrible, Leo. At the level that, for example, I don't drink coffee, but Kirill drinks a lot of coffee. And he had to wait something like a five hours to get a coffee after lunch. You know, it's not like a, he wants to take half a coffee at six o'clock in the evening. Okay, it's not the food itself. It's more like a, a also s- food was for service. Know, service food was, was, food uh, was horrible, for sure. Oh, oh. Did you feed? Did, did they feed you with beans? The snacks. <laughs> so there was a breakfast. Breakfast was donuts and cookies. Yes. You're like, come on, come on, come on, please. I don't want to in- increase my. Uh, body fat and put color is just not healthy. Mm-hmm. And then the lunch was basically these boxes from supermarket of very bad quality. Eh. And I, I like paper boxes. We've been in Amsterdam. Amsterdam and Germany are also not famous for the best food, right? And even the amount of good restaurants and food places in London is like 20 times more than in Munich or Amsterdam. But still, in Amsterdam and Munich, there was like the food was decent. They tried to. And port is like the another level, right? Because it was like they, they even told us that most of the biggest expense was the catering for the event. Mm. So they actually ordered like really great food. And, and and here it was like, 
Okay. And the coffee, yes. Like I can, like, it's one one p.m. and there is no coffee anymore on the first day of conference. Ouch! But then there is lunch. Like, but if I have a dessert for lunch, I want. I don't no, what's well, sorry? Because you need to think that the people is there from eight o'clock in the morning or even seven thirty first day until six six thirty. You know, it, it's not like uh, and 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 even for example, there is a, a moment always in these meetups that they give to you a beer. And in this time, the beer was from five to six. But when I say five to six, it's five to six. So at five zero zero, they sow the beers, and then six zero zero, they close the doors to leave everyone. So and it's something like, come on, you need to give something like a no six. So because you cannot give time to be to drink a beer, three minutes twenty five seconds. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. it, it's not that. It's not the game to be alcoholic. Okay. So, okay, I can be, but no, it's not the game there. So the idea is to try to spur the time and drink a beer and talk with people because this is the best moment to to talk with the with the people because they're drinking a beer. Like that. So, and they close that and then they make the, the second part of the party in a in a place that it was 35 minutes walking distance. <laughs> and that we discover, By not accident. only because, yes, accidentally, because Kirill and me, we were at the door of the of the building and there were a, a, a group of two ladies and one guy, super good people that they were said, okay, you go to the party. And we said, what party? <laughs> and they were a party. <laughs> but okay, really the party, it wasn't a party, it was another meetup. So, and, and it was another conferences where you cannot talk and you cannot say anything and you, be, you need to be quiet because again, you arrive there and you have another 30 minutes of pizza. And you have 30 minutes to eat pizza. Mm-hmm. And after 30 minutes, you need to be quiet. And you need to be, because the, the, there is a company who is sponsoring that. And it was something like uh, six or seven bodyguards of the company, so workers, <laughs> that it was pushing the people, go here, go here, be quiet, be quiet. I said, come on, please, you know, to, 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 you cannot live in these ways. You know, you cannot encapsulate the time in 30 minutes. Run, run, one beer, run, run. Now we are going to talk. Oof. And it was what day it was. It was something like a Thursday. Relax, man. So no, no. For me, I, I again, I love London. I think that they need to improve many, many things, and they can talk with Devil's Days uh, Porto, for example, Devil's Days Amsterdam, because the beer moment in Amsterdam it was one of the fantastic themes that you can have because it was a side, many, many people. They wanted to have music, but you know, in, in live music, but started to rain and it was not possible. But you know. Perfect. The food in Porto was perfect. But in, in London, neither the conference, neither the food, uh, neither the beer moment. Uh, no, they, they need to improve a lot. Sorry, London. What was good is the sponsor, um, just to finish the feed. It's called feedback sandwich, right? When you say something good and something bad, and then something good, and then it feels good overall. <laughs> and what was good, it was the sponsor passport. Uh, again, because in, in Munich there was no sponsor passport, and I actually missed this. And here there was a sponsor passport, and of course there was again like this special group of people who want Lego, but they don't want an iPad Pro. Okay, uh, maybe we should also give away Lego because we also we even talked like to some marketing guys from Circle CI, and they were telling like, yeah, we also try to give away electronics, but people on this conference just like Lego. I was like, okay, maybe next time we just don't give an iPad. We save like eight hundred euros, and we just buy some Lego set. Um, and what some was, Legos can be very expensive. <laughs> iPad Pro is more expensive. Like. I can tell you. <laughs> and they are still Lego, right? Regardless of the price. But okay, people like Legos. Uh, what surprised me is that there was like such a, a way bigger amount of people who subscribed 
in our giveaway. I think like Alex told us that it was like the sum of Amsterdam and Munich was less than the number of people signed, who signed up for the iPad in London, which was surprising and good. I think it was like around maybe more than one third of all participants signed up for the iPad. This is cool. Cool. And the sponsored passport is cool. No, it's, it's the best. Giving away stamps. There, there, are, there was this moment like in Amsterdam that at some point you have like 10, 15 people coming at the same time and then you have to like talk in three, four threads with like keep multiple discussions in parallel, both of us with different people. Uh, but it's good because it's better than like in Munich, I think second day is just no one is interested to climb the second floor to come to talk to you. It's like zero insensitive to do this. Mm. Cool. Okay, guys. Uh, thank you for uh, all your experience that you shared with us about London, about the conference. And those who are listening to us, thank you for joining. And I just want to remind that all, all we've talked about uh, will be uh, linked in the description. So uh, webinars, go and uh, enroll for the free webinar. And uh, MKDF Dispatch, do not miss anything. Uh, we'll be sharing our new videos, our articles as usual. And thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Kirill. Thank you, Pablo, for talking to me. I missed you. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. Adios. There are no challenges that we couldn't overcome. Whether it is immediate infrastructure problems or planning a future project, we won't simply answer your questions. We become a part of your team to help you complete the mission. Our solutions consider the interests of your business and the combined expertise of the industry as our staff is made up of more than a dozen experts in different areas who share decades of field-tested experience and knowledge with you.